0: and welcome to another special episode of Eyes on Earth. We're a podcast that focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and across the globe who use remote sensing to monitor and study the health of Earth. I'm your host for today, John Holt. Today, we're returning to Santa Barbara County, California to hear more from the attendees of the Landsat 9 launch. An Atlas V rocket sent the satellite into space on September 27, 2021 from Vandenberg Space Force Base. International partners and Landsat users were among those to witness the event. We caught up with Andres Especo and Nikoa Aguilara Muchasegui at a Vandenberg watch site about 15 minutes before liftoff. Andres is a senior carbon finance specialist at the World Bank, where he manages funds meant to encourage developing nations to reduce carbon emissions by paying them for reductions in deforestation. NiCOa works for the World Wildlife Fund and collaborates with Andres to help countries set baselines and targets for the program. Landsat imagery is a key data source for what you'll hear them refer to as MRV, or Measuring, Reporting, and Verification of Carbon Reductions. NICOA is the WWF's Senior Director of Forest Carbon Science and MRV lead. The background noise you'll hear includes conversations taking place nearby and the sound of NASA TV's launch coverage, which was live streaming on several monitors at the watch site. The first voice you'll hear belongs to Andres. Andres.
1: I work for the Climate Change Group, more specifically for the Climate Funds Management Unit. We are managing around $1.5 billion in finance to to countries. We provide some finance in order to set the necessary systems to report to our funds on the emission reductions that they generate from avoided deforestation and forest degradation and enhancement of carbon stocks. And then we have another pot of money where we pay for those emission reductions. This program has been there for more than 10 years, and as you can imagine, the, the payments are conditional to emission reductions, and those initial reductions, they have to be estimated, they have to be measured. So MRV systems, measurement, reporting, and verification systems. We provide some countries to set their MRV systems in order to enable them to report us the results. I work with partners like NICOA, and WWF to create the capacities in the countries to implement these MRV systems. How key is Landsat to those MRV
0: systems? I mean, it's,
1: it's, uh, it's really the cornerstone. You can establish forest inventories, you can conduct terrestrial inventories, but in many of these countries, you didn't have anything in the past, right? So, you cannot establish a baseline. The only way to do that is with historical imagery, and the only systematic observation of the Earth that we have, all the way from the 2000s, 1990s, is basically Landsat. Right. Critical. Critical yeah, exactly. for the job. Exactly.
2: Right. Without Landsat, we we won't be able to pay anything. And, and talk a little bit about your piece here. WWF is present in over 100 countries, so we have presence in most of the tropical countries, and we have long-term relationships with the governments in these countries. My role is to try to help build the technical capacities of our teams in those countries and as well as the institutional partners, the government agencies that will also work with the World Bank and other entities in trying to figure out what the best approach that's feasible and practical. And then regarding Landsat, it's a cornerstone, as Andres explained, because it's the only sensor that has been consistently collecting the data in a comparable way that allows for an actual understanding of what is a historical pattern, what is natural dynamics versus man-made dynamics, and then what is it that we are going to do about it. That's so interesting. So you're essentially helping to build that baseline country by country. Well, yes. We try to to discuss how those baselines are established. So the data from Landsat and how it's processed and how we enhance the accuracy of the estimates and so forth is part of the discussion. But our presence in the a country also allows for us to engage in the political aspects. So a benchmark is actually a data-informed political statement, which means, okay, as a country, I claim that this is my benchmark, and then I, therefore, expect to be assessed my performance in one way or another. What does the addition of Landsat 9 mean? Oh, well, Landsat 9 is super important. The wealth of data available is going to duplicate itself. We have the same sensor as in Landsat 8, it will replace the fact to Landsat 7, and it's free. The, the temporal resolution is something
1: critical. Most of the countries where we provide finance is in the in tropics, the and in the tropics, basically, we have many clouds. And usually, deforestation is very focused in a certain period of the year, like three months, and if you only consider Landsat 8 or Landsat 7, you have very few images with clarity, which means that in certain years, you're not able to report. With Landsat 9, countries will be able to report on a more frequent basis to to our funds, but I think that there's also a very important part that is the we'll be able to manage right they will have timely information in order to understand
2: if there's like a big problem if the deforestation is increasing what are the drivers and take action yeah for example the reaction times are important there's this matter of early warning systems whenever an image is acquired it can be processed almost immediately, immediately and then uh, significant changes can be flagged I guess that also an
1: important thing is the sign that is. Sending basically, that this mission will continue for uh, still for a long oh, yeah. time, and that there is an engagement to make this data available and so on. And, and that's also you're quite crucial because you know we cannot rely on something that in five years or ten years time will disappear. This is for the long term. That also provides confidence to countries for establishing their systems in a sustainable manner. To me, the most
2: exciting thing is the fact that we are lengthening the record, the, the size of the record, the temporal dimension of the record. We're moving into the second half of the century of data. Uh, you can always turn back and then go back to analyzing
1: it. Something I was not aware of. I, I thought that sensor in Landsat 9 was going to be like an enhanced new generation and I learned that it's exactly the same as Landsat 8 the OLLI sensor which is cool. I'm glad that they took that decision because one it bring more noise into the system and create a, you know some complexities and it will basically strengthen capabilities of Landsat 8 so I was very glad to hear that. I learn every time I come to these events and I interact with scientists and Unfortunately, I don't have I have many opportunities, but it's always really great yeah. to learn new things. And I have made many contacts, and, uh, and the idea is how to convey everything that I have seen or the new things that are coming from the science world to the developing world.
0: We finished up that conversation moments before hearing this. Status check. Go Atlanta. Go Centaur, Go Landsat 9. And there it is, the
3: word. Go launch Landsat 9.
0: That chant told us the launch was imminent. Here's what that sounded like.
3: 10, 9,
2: 8,
3: 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And the liftoff. Liftoff of an Atlas V rocket and Landsat 9. Continuing the legacy of an irreplaceable 50-year record on our ever-changing
0: planet. Shortly after the launch, we spent a few minutes with Anne Bray, the Australian Embassy's Minister Counselor for Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. Alice Springs, Australia is home to one of the international ground stations that receives raw Landsat data for processing. Just before the launch, Anne was handed a mateship medallion to commemorate her home country's long-term partnership with the Landsat program.
3: We've been collaborating for about 40 years now, including using our Alice Springs ground station to receive data. So that's been, yeah, it's been a fantastic collaboration. And we, of course, need the data desperately in Australia. It helps our farming communities, it helps monitor land use, and many, many other uses, of course.
0: Climate change has done number on several places around the world. We saw that to great effect a couple of years ago in Australia. Tell us a little bit about some of the questions that we're hoping to answer using remotely sensed data and how that can,
3: Landsat can help us monitor the temperature and the amount of water that's in varying locations. That's so really critical for us to monitor climate change and how that's progressing, or if we can try and stop it, that would be great. What does this
0: moment mean for Landsat Nine Launch? What does it mean for partnership for Australia?
3: Well we use this data everywhere in Australia. Private companies use it, communities use it, government uses it to monitor a range of things. So without Landsat nine we wouldn't have that of course. But it's a really important critical relationship for us and it's critical to be able to get hold of that data and have that freely available.
0: We caught up with Mark Yokomik in Bulton, California, about an hour after liftoff. Mark heads up the Washington office of the German Aerospace Center, which you'll hear him refer to as the DLR. Germany hosts an international ground station in Neustrelitz, about 60 miles north of Berlin. Here's what Mark had to say about the value of Landsat 9 and international partnership.
4: Well, Landsat 9 continues the 50 years heritage of data. It's always important when you look at Earth observation data to have a timeline to see changes and developments and that there are actually no gaps between the different satellites that gather the data. And So this is really a wealth of information coming from this mission and it contributes to the large amount of data that's used by the scientific community gives a great basis and also of course together for example from a European perspective together with European missions or systems like Copernicus and national missions coming from Germany bringing all this data together really enables scientists and also of course companies to monitor changes on earth and of course for companies to develop services and really applications that can be used commercially so that's really really important tell us about the interplay Of Landsat and
0: these other observations, these other observatories that you're talking about here. As I understand it, uh, cross calibration and and working together is a very important part of a world where more and more
4: satellites are going up. Can you talk to us about that? Exactly. Our collaboration with USGS in terms of Landsat is that we, the DLR, is providing a receiving station in Neustrelitz close to Berlin. We are a downlink station for Landsat 7, 8, and 9 we do a lot of data exchange also, so our scientists really work together in how to interpret this data, but also in new developments like using cloud approaches so to have the data available for all the users at the same time and not that we have to distribute large data sets to them and download them, but really they can really pick those data out of the cloud that they would need for their application for their science. and approaches like artificial intelligence because the data amount is growing rapidly and all the missions contributing and bringing this together you need some tools that don't involve actual people looking at all the data. Can you give us maybe your
0: best sales pitch? As a ground station, as an international cooperator, what is the value that is gleaned and obviously much more important role in, in Australia's?
4: Receiving the data, of course, we do the operations with the ground station, but we also are a scientific organization. So if we do such a cooperation with UCS, we always make also use of the data and use it for our research. So that's very important for us to have this access to this data through contributing with our infrastructure. This is really an added value for our research Sure. And just briefly, what are some of the applications in Germany that are
0: particularly important? And I'm thinking very recently we saw over floods? Yeah. this flooding. What are the applications that make lands valuable for Germany?
4: All the changes that are going on in our environment and all the impact of climate change, those are really the hot topic we are trying to tackle in Germany, not, not only in Germany, in Europe. We also have this Green New Deal approach on the European level. We're trying to build up a system that's representing the whole Earth's system. And so we need continuous flow of repetitive data from systems like Landsat. How do you feel to be at the launch today? Is this your first satellite launch? Or? Uh, it was not my first launch, but my first launch here in Vandenberg. So uh, I heard that the weather can be challenging for the viewers, but we were lucky to see it. At least the lift off phase, and of course, the sound is always impressive. And when it comes a few seconds after you see the launch, so that was fantastic to be here and see that this heritage will be taken on. But we're really happy that we see this continuity, and our data stream will flow on and will be available for all the scientists worldwide. Yeah, that's important.
0: For listening to this episode of Eyes on Earth. Be sure to join us next time to learn more about satellites, remote sensing, land change, and much more. You can find all our shows on our website, usgs.gov Eros. That's usgs.gov forward slash E-R-O-S. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. This podcast is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior.